Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's nothing better than feeling comfortable in your own shoes. And that doesn't mean flopping down on the couch with bunny slippers. Maybe you're a parent raising a little rock star. Or a tech nomad working from anywhere and jumping from one thing to the next. Whoever you are, Allbirds wants you to be comfortable in your actual shoes, too. Their wool runners, pipers, and loungers are designed for a level of coziness that makes you feel like you can do anything. You might even forget you're wearing them. And their shoes are so stylish, they go perfectly with a wear-whatever-I-want attitude. Allbirds is all about loving Mother Nature, too, because no one wants to leave a bad footprint. Each shoe is carefully crafted from natural materials that tread lightly on our planet. From ZQ-certified merino wool to a bouncy midsole made from sweet foam, the world's first carbon-negative EVA material made from sugarcane. So get comfortable in your shoes. Get to know the wool runners, pipers, and loungers at allbirds.com. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. The Newport Subdivision, a suburban housing development in the southeast of Texas in the southern United States, first took root in the late 1970s. Extending outwards from the town of Crosby, and tucked in behind dense forest on the edge of Lake Houston. By 1980, its concrete tendrils, twisting and curling ever deeper into the surrounding wilds, had grown steadily to comprise 1,000 homes. For many, the green and leafy neighbourhood, with its private security guards and manicured lawns, hidden under the canopy of hundred-year-old trees, provided the perfect mix of suburban decorum and rugged country. For those unfamiliar with the term, a subdivision in this sense is a housing development that begins as little more than individual plots of land serviced by a system of roads that have been provided with plumbing and electricity. Having purchased one of the plots, it would then be down to the buyer to decide what house they would like to have shipped in and assembled onto it. For Jean and Ben Williams, it was a subtle, tan-brick, Mediterranean-style home that had taken their fancy. 
having been encouraged to move to the new development by their eldest daughter, Marcia Ann, who also lived in the neighbourhood, the couple finally took the plunge and relocated in the fall of 1980, picking a plot at the far end of the brand new Section 8 on Poppets Way. The couple, who were both in their 50s, elected to have their home built back to front, a special request of Jean's so that their living room would look out over the spacious garden toward the small patch of woodland that stretched out behind it. But there was one tree in particular that Jean had fallen for, a sturdy oak, by then resplendent in fiery autumnal colour, that the developers at one stage had suggested they cut down to make room for the Williams's new home. Jean was adamant, however, that it should stay, so rather than remove it, the aged oak instead was incorporated into the design of the build. So much so, that it appeared almost to be holding up an entire corner of the house. It was somewhere within the surrounding woodland that remnants of the old McKinney plantation could still be found. Ivor Ruth McKinney, the family's last living descendant, was said to still be living in a property somewhere behind it. Mercer McKinney, along with his wife Mary and their six children, moved to Harris County in 1857, shortly before the outbreak of the American Civil War, bringing five slaves with them, who were immediately put to forced labour on the McKinney's plantation. By all accounts, to the local white community at least, the Mercers were a highly respected and well-liked addition to the local area, to whom the somewhat oxymoronic description of being masters that were kind to their slaves was often applied. For those with the luxury of choice, when looking at a new property to rent or buy, it is often the way that so much of it speaks to you the first time you see it. It is easy to miss some of the finer details. In many cases, it isn't even until the deal is done that you suddenly notice the way a worktop doesn't quite run straight, or that small patch of damp just peeking up over the skirting in the master bedroom. For Jean and Ben, it was the peculiar, short, rectangular depressions that pockmarked the grounds around their property that they had failed to notice. Those and the strange markings carved onto that large oak tree that Jean had grown so fond of. Even from the first day, it hadn't been a great fit. Perhaps it was down to the fact that the builders hadn't quite finished up before Jean and Ben moved in, or perhaps because of the lateness of the year, it was the fact that Jean would have to wait a while before she could really get a handle on the garden that made those first few weeks a little strained and disjointed. Regardless, it wasn't unusual for a couple moving in to a brand new home and neighbourhood to experience a few teething problems as they adjusted to their new surroundings. Though their previous neighbourhood, Deer Park, on the eastern fringes of Houston, had been fairly quiet, it was clear that the almost complete stillness of Newport would take a little getting used to. But there was something else, too. Something a little different they couldn't quite put their finger on, but could somehow sense nonetheless. Like a distant, silent alarm, leaking out at a pitch, at first too high to be audible, but was slowly, steadily dropping into range. Having finally settled in, 
One night, early in the new year, with Jean asleep in bed, Ben returned home from a late shift at work to find the house unusually cold. Conscious about waking Jean, he moved silently between the rooms in the dark as he made his way to the bedroom when something outside drew his attention. Standing in the dark, staring out the back window, he was convinced for a moment that something, or somebody, was approaching the house from the back of the garden. As he narrowed his eyes to focus, he caught it again, only now there were two. Strange, wispy patches of darkness, at once amorphous but yet oddly reminiscent of the human form, moving slowly side by side toward him. Gripped by a sudden fear, Ben felt his chest tighten as he stumbled back into the kitchen, struggling to breathe. When he looked up again, the shapes had gone. Still struggling for breath, Ben made his way to the bedroom, and being careful not to wake Jean, was soon able to breathe again. After explaining the episode to Jean the following morning, at his wife's insistence, Ben paid a visit to the doctor, who diagnosed an asthma attack, something Ben had never experienced before. It wasn't long after that that Jean was finally able to put a finger on that strange sensation she'd been feeling ever since they'd moved. It was the feeling that she was being watched. Over the next six months or so, a number of relatives came by to visit the couple, from their daughters, Marcia Anne, Jennifer and youngest Tina, to Jean's parents and her brother, all of whom couldn't help but feel the same, that there was something wrong with that house. Not long after Ben's peculiar experience, the couple's oldest, Marcia Ann, announced that she was leaving her husband. This was followed a few weeks later by the shocking news that Jean's mother had cancer. It was a few nights later that Ben returned home again from a late shift as Jean slept soundly in the bedroom. Resisting the urge to turn on the lights so as not to wake her, Ben headed to the kitchen. Feeling hungry, he pulled open the fridge door and stood for a moment, bathed in its soft yellow light, as he scoured the shelves for something to eat. Seeing nothing he wanted, he closed the door, then turned toward the living room and froze in shock. Those odd wispy shapes that he'd seen before were now hovering right in front of him. Rooted to the spot, Ben could only look on in confusion as they drifted out into the hallway. Suddenly snapping out of it, Ben gave chase as they moved down the corridor and seemed to turn into the bedroom, where he then found them hovering at the end of the bed as Jean slept soundly under the covers. Without thinking, Ben ran straight for them, only to pass right through and fall on top of Jean. She woke in alarm to find a terrified-looking Ben coughing and sputtering beside her as he looked frantically about the room, but the shapes had gone. Having eventually calmed down, Ben proceeded to explain what he'd seen and how he'd seen something similar in the garden a few weeks before. He could have sworn that the shapes were moving with agency, and yet, saying it all out loud, he realised then just how ridiculous it sounded. 
as a plant worker for the Ethel Corporation, a chemical manufacturing company based out of Houston, Ben was no stranger to toxic gas. Was it possible, he thought, considering the recent asthma attack and coughing fit, that the strange clouds were some kind of poisonous gas that had seeped out of the ground? But nothing of that nature was ever found. Though Jean and Ben continued to sense something unusual about the place, they resolved to ignore it as best they could and concentrate on enjoying their new home. But as the green leaves of summer began to turn a golden brown, the family were beset by a series of terrible events that would test even the strongest of resolves. Most pressing was their daughter Jennifer's ongoing domestic problems, which resulted eventually in Jean and Ben offering to take in her daughter Carly to give Jennifer some space. Not long after Carly moved in, Jean's brother Glenn was diagnosed with inoperable cancer and given no more than 12 months to live. Mere days later, Glenn's granddaughter was diagnosed with leukaemia, all of which was then topped off by the catastrophic news that Jean and Ben's 24-year-old daughter Tina had Hodgkin's lymphoma. The next few months would prove uniquely testing for the family, as Jean devoted what time she could between looking after Carly and ferrying Tina back and forth from hospital as she underwent a spleen removal and a heavy and debilitating course of chemotherapy. All the while, Jean continued to supervise her mother's cancer treatment too. That Christmas of 1981, the family rallied together as best they could under the circumstances, but by then, Jean was fairly convinced that something of the house had cursed them. Are you always taking care of your family? Do you often take care of others and not yourself? Now it's time to take care of yourself, to make time for you. You deserve it. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best, to feeling like yourself again. With Teladoc, you can speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video. Therapy appointments are available seven days a week from 7am to 9pm local time. If you feel overwhelmed sometimes, maybe you feel stressed or anxious, depressed or lonely, or you might be struggling with a personal or family issue, Teladoc can help. Teladoc is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy to change counsellors if needed, for free. Teladoc Therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teledoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. In March the following year, Jean's brother Glenn died at the age of 52. The family had been preparing for it since his diagnosis, but nothing truly prepares you for the finality of the moment when it eventually comes. However, with Jean's mother, Tina, Jennifer and Carly to worry about, Jean and Ben had little choice but to pull themselves up and dedicate their energy to the living. In fact, with so much else to worry about, Jean and Ben had all but forgotten about the peculiar events of the previous year, when one night they were startled by Carly 
screaming out for Jean from her bedroom. Rushing to her aid, Jean found her granddaughter huddled tightly under her bed covers, trembling and crying with fright. As Jean did her best to calm her down, Carly explained that she'd heard footsteps outside her door and thinking it was Jean, had called out for her but got no reply. When they didn't go away, she screamed out for help. But that wasn't all. As Carly went on to explain to her concerned grandmother, ever since she'd moved in, she felt as though she was never quite alone in her bedroom. At times, although she couldn't be sure, she thought she'd even seen shapes moving about in the dark and heard the sound of voices submerged within the gurgle of water in the pipes whenever the cistern flushed. Jean looked at her granddaughter in quiet alarm. A few nights later, the phone rang. Hello, asked Jean, holding the receiver to her ear. For a moment, there was nothing but dead air as Jean waited expectantly for a reply. When suddenly, a strange guttural noise began to worm its way out of the speaker, followed by the sound of someone coughing and gasping for air. Jean slammed down the phone and ran straight through to Ben in the living room, her face completely drained of colour. Who was it? asked Ben. Only then did Jean realise, with a sickening horror, who it had sounded like. I think it was Glenn, she said. Her brother that had died months before. With Tina's treatments intensifying, Jean and Ben decided it was best that she move in with them. One evening, while Ben was out at work, a terrific storm began to batter the house from outside. Tina, Jean and Carly huddled together in Carly's bedroom as the thunder clattered all around them. Streaks of lightning flashed and ripped through the sky, while thick, ominous clouds swirled ever tighter over the house. Smokey, a cat that had been bought for Carly shortly after she moved in, had joined them on the bed too, when the sound of the front door being slammed shut was heard, followed by what sounded like soft-falling footsteps approaching from down the hallway. With the rain pelting down against the window, Jean, assuming it was Ben, called out to him, but there was no reply. Suddenly panicked, Jean instructed the others to stay put, then slowly made her way to the bedroom door and into the hallway beyond. Hello? she asked again, but still there was no reply. And yet, that sound of footsteps just kept on coming, moving up the hallway toward her. With bemusement, Jean backed into the bedroom as the sound continued all the way to the bedroom doorway and then into the room. Just then, with a crack of thunder and flash of lightning, Smokey leapt forward with a fierce screech towards something in the middle of the room, then bolted into the hall as soon as he touched the ground. The sound of footsteps had gone. Later, when Tina and Jean tried to account for what had happened, Jean failed to mention the numerous other events that had been plaguing her and Ben since they moved in 
only 18 months ago, what seemed like a lifetime. Though the events had been myriad and undoubtedly strange, Jean and Ben had been loath to attach any potentially supernatural explanation to them, preferring instead to seek rational answers. By now, however, for Jean at least, the possibility was becoming harder to ignore. The couple had discussed just selling up and moving out, but with so much going on and all the medical bills stacking up, their only option was to stick it out. That summer of 1982, Jean watched with quiet concern from her back window as two more couples moved onto the street. Though it was nice to finally have the neighbouring plots occupied, she couldn't help but wonder just what might be in store for the new owners. The Haney's, school teacher Judith and husband Sam, who divided his time between working for an airline company and running a small art store in nearby Crosby, had been eagerly anticipating their move for months, waiting patiently as their house was slowly assembled piece by piece. Having finally moved in, Sam presented Judith with an early birthday and moving in present, plans to add a swimming pool to their sparkling new property. However, no sooner had Sam found a contractor to begin the project, there was a knock at the front door. When he opened it, he was greeted by 57-year-old Lester Resler, a local woodcutter who'd lived in the area for many years. Much to Sam's surprise, Lester had somehow gotten wind of the plans to build a pool in the back garden and had felt obliged to come and speak to the Haney's before they went any further. Lester then asked if Sam wouldn't mind letting him through to the garden so he could explain it all in better detail. Sensing an urgency in the man's voice, Sam agreed to show him round. Moments later in the back garden, as the two men examined the plans for the pool, Lester drew Sam's attention toward a small rectangular patch at the edge of the garden that seemed to be sunk a little deeper than the rest of it. There, said Lester, that's where they're buried. What do you mean, asked Sam. As Lester explained, the sunken land was a grave. Sam stood speechless for a moment as he struggled to comprehend what he was being told. Surely the housing company wouldn't have knowingly sold them a property built over a grave, he thought. Seeing that Sam was a little unconvinced, Lester apologised for being the bearer of such disturbing news and gave him the number of another local resident who could verify the claim. As he showed himself to the door, he suggested that Sam give the number a call. Perhaps then he might find out where all the others were buried too. The others, said Sam with disbelief. Oh yes, replied Lester. That whole area, more or less, had been built directly on top of a graveyard. Although sickened by the prospect of living on top of a gravesite, Judith and Sam couldn't quite bring themselves to believe it. After all, what are the chances that the developers wouldn't have known of such a thing if it was such common knowledge amongst the other local residents? 
but rather than call the number that Lester had given him, Sam decided to investigate for himself. Pulling a spade from the garage, he headed out to the spot that Lester had pointed out and rammed it into the earth. An hour or so later, however, an exhausted Sam had only made it three feet down before the ground had become too tough. The following day, after hiring a digger, the Haneys watched with concern as the operator steadily ripped the large chunks of earth from the ground, until suddenly, at roughly six feet deep, Sam yelled for him to stop. Leaping into the large hole before him, Sam brushed away at the dirt, revealing splinters of dark pine wood. As he brushed more of the dirt away, he revealed what was quite clearly the lid of a coffin. Prizing it open, he recoiled at the sight of the bones inside it. Later, the stunned couple watch on somberly as a section of the coffin and the bones are lifted from out of the ground by the local coroner's office. With both the coffin and bones being so deteriorated, it was agreed to leave most of it in the ground while they waited for test results to come back on the pieces they had. That afternoon, Jean Williams watched with dread from her back window as the long black hearse from the coroner's office pulled away from the Haney's home, knowing full well that her troubles were far from over. You've been listening to part one of Unexplained Season 4, Episode 21, The Underweight. Part two will be released next week, Friday, December 27th. Unexplained the book and audiobook featuring 10 stories that have never before been covered on the show, is now available to buy worldwide. You can purchase through Amazon, Barnes & Noble and Waterstones, among other bookstores. All elements of Unexplained, including the show's music, are produced by me, Richard McLean Smith. Please subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and feel free to get in touch with any thoughts or ideas regarding the stories you've heard on the show. Perhaps you have an explanation of your own you'd like to share. You can reach us online at unexplainedpodcast.com or Twitter at unexplainedpod and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash unexplainedpodcast. Now it's time to take care of yourself, to make time for you. Teladoc gives you access to a licensed therapist to help you get back to feeling your best. Speak to a licensed therapist by phone or video anytime between 7am to 9pm local time, seven days a week. Teladoc therapy is available through most insurance or employers. Download the app or visit teladoc.com forward slash unexplained podcast today to get started. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C dot com slash unexplained podcast. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.
What if we told you about a major breakthrough on awesome savings on all-inclusive beach vacays? OMG, this could break the case. Case? I'm talking about CheapCaribbean.com. It's full of hot savings. At CheapCaribbean.com, score an extra $175 off site-wide on vacations of four nights or more now through June 3rd. Swim up bar in Punta Cana or dip your toes in the sand on the shores of Cancun. We gotta take this show on the road. Start at CheapCaribbean.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.